Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. What do we talk about now? Yeah, we kind of oh. got ourselves all riled up. <laughs> I am I, all riled up. <laughs> <laughs> I have <laughs> thoughts on things. And another thing. It's too early in the morning for that. I know. Well, what have you guys been up to? Nothing much. It's pretty chill after the chapel's done. Is it done, done? Like consecrated? It's consecrated, yeah. Dedicated. Oh, man. Congratulations. Thank you. That's wonderful. It was great. It's a super, we should talk about the chapel. That's a happy thing. Mm-hmm. Rob saw it. He came here in person and saw it. He drove yeah. all the way up from St. Louis. Man. Suburbs where he lives just for that. Hey, that, okay. Cut that out. Give I his live address. at an undisclosed vacation. <laughs> give, give his location. address. <laughs> um, what did you think? What was your impression of the chapel, Rob? Oh, man. It's a, it's beautiful and it's just a one it's it's just a, a total homage to uh the jp2 chapel at at mundelein of like did you just walk in and you're like yeah it's the same kind of integrity to to the place and i was impressed by a couple things one i'd never seen the chapel at uic before but it's not it's not big like the room itself isn't big but you walk in and it feels big because of like how the orientation is and everything like that but uh i was just super super impressed by it um but personally it took me back to the jp2 chapel which was very very formative to to me it's freezing dude Oh, he's frozen. Oh, no. I can hear you guys. Your My sound still... cut out, Juice. Am I still frozen? Oh, no. Oh, no, you're back. No, you're not. Okay. I yeah. heard you guys the whole time. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry, listeners. It took you back to... We missed that. Personally, it took me back, and then you froze. It took me back to the John Paul II chapel mm. um, at, at Mundelein, which was very formative yeah. for for me um i even have the two i don't have the jp2 portrait yet but the two mary facing jp2 on mm -hmm. either side so that i can do the whole like dog in the truck back and forth <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> oh whoa jump all the second oh we love you blessed mother we love you <laughs> we had just talked about that and then i saw that dog <laughs> oh, i was like that oh my god was incredible that's exactly what that looks like mm-hmm I'm going to send that to John Carney and see if you No. Put it on Maybe Instagram. We'll, That's somebody else's content. I mean, we didn't said who it reminds us of. Oh, mm -hmm. but is it somebody else's? Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. That means that some guy would be scrolling through Instagram. And see, see. our obscure 100 follower account. And be like, that's my dog. That's my <laughs> truck. What? They have my license plate number. They're making tons of money off of that video. Yeah. 
All right. I won't send it. Um, well, yeah, thank you. Actually, one of the, um, I'll share some of my favorite comments so far from people on the chapel. Uh, one, you reminded me, Rob, with like how small it actually is and how big it feels. Um, somebody said the other day, it's like from the outside, it, it does look really unremarkable. Like when you walk by, it doesn't look like a grand cathedral or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> and, but then when you walk in and even when you walk in the front door, like you have to go through these two little doors to get into the chapel. It has, it says chapel on it, but you wouldn't immediately like in a normal church think, okay, I'm walking up these stairs into these big double doors and walking into this grand church. It's sort of hidden, but then when you walk in and it's like almost like the, the wardrobe from Narnia, like you just walk in and boom, it's, it's it has this effect that cause the back wall is so much taller than the, or the, yeah, the sanctuary wall is so much taller than the nave back wall. Hmm. And so there's just like some optical thing that happens. It makes you feel like you're in a big place. And I can't remember what she said, but it was, yeah, like this little, little pocket on campus that you just walk in this hidden pocket and you walk in and it's like this beauty, this God and a window into heaven. Hmm. Um, my favorite two comments from students so far has been one kid saying, Father, every mass in here feels premium now, which is just a really cool way to describe mass. This is a premium mass. <laughs> hmm. um, and the other one was a young lady saying that it feels like practicing on a grand piano rather than a like an old bad piano. So make like now I'm excited to go to mass or adoration because um, it's just like this beautiful instrument that we get to play. Right. So those those kind of things make me feel very satisfied. Have you been praying in there a lot? Yeah. Like last night I went and I was kind of done early with my watching TV with Tim. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go pray the rosary over in the chapel. It's much more uh, attractive to do that throughout the day and the evenings. But I will say, I also think, you know, like there was an element to it as it was getting finished and then when it was finally finished and there's still more that needs to get done. I need to raise more money to do the windows and a sacristy and confessional upgrade and like a little more practical things, um, some aesthetic. But uh, at first you're just sort of looking at it as a, a thing that you've been imagining in your mind for a really long time and now it's real. So you're just looking at it like, oh my gosh, just looking at all the elements in the floor and the pews and the altar top and rarados and like just appreciating the beauty of it. Um, but it's not yet a place where you pray, you know, like until the Eucharist was reposed there until the altar mm -hmm. was dedicated, it was just a building that I had made for Jesus to live in. And it's beautiful and has like artistic value, but now it's a chapel. Now it's like where God is communicated with. And mm -hmm. so like having to let go a little bit of my own, like ownership if you want. And that, that was what is, has been kind of revealing and, and also makes me happy and glad that it's not, it doesn't feel so much like a midlife crisis thing where like, oh, I've done half of the stuff I'm going to do in my life, which means what am I looking forward to? Like I need new goals or, or whatever, because that's the shadow side of finishing something is that like, now it's done. I, that was the thing I was looking forward to. And now it's in the past. Um, 
But just thinking about, and I think I mentioned this to you, Rob, the chapel down in Champaign, which was honestly my motivator, the memory that is most like in my mind that motivated me to, to do this project was walk, was walking into the chapel in Champaign when I was 17 and smelling incense and seeing the beauty of the marble floor and the altar and the dome and all this stuff. <clears throat> and it wasn't a huge, it's also not a huge chapel, it's much bigger than ours, but um, it's not a grand cathedral, but it just poked this hole in my heart that was like, I'm open now to this mystery in a way that when I go to, co- like I wanted to go to college in Champaign because of that chapel. Um, if I'm honest, I, w- I probably wouldn't have said that at the time, but that was what I was looking forward to is like growing in my faith. And I didn't know what that looked like or what that meant, but, um, I wanted to create that in Chicago at UIC at this big college. Like what, what if we had a place where you could just bring somebody and that would happen to them? We wouldn't have to argue the faith with them. We wouldn't have to like beg them to come to seek or something. You just walk in, it's right here and have some kind of encounter with Christ. Um, so like Monsignor Duncan or whoever built that chapel down there in the thirties, wasn't thinking about me in 2002, a kid from the Chicago suburbs walking in and having that experience. And then eventually, you know, kind of making friends there, discerning a vocation, becoming a priest, going back to Chicago and all the the effects that the fruit that it bears is all invisible to the one who does the will of, like it's, if it's the will of God, he's going to make it bear fruit and fruit that will last. And that's what's important about it. And so I can just be in there and, and offer it to him, which has been cool. That's great, man. I like the, uh, I like that notion a lot. If it was, I don't know if it was a student or somebody else that you said, but just the, the whole idea of like, there's this little pocket on, on campus you know, that you can come to and like God's there and beauty's there and the premium experience of the mass is, is there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something, my heart was moved there to think about that of that's exactly, at least in my understanding, like that's the exact right ecclesiology, like in their tradition and like for today's world to say like, no, right there in the heart of everything, like surrounded by a lot of other stuff and worldly stuff. Like here's this, here's this place that you can come to, you know, here's this like, um, like presence of God that you can come to and be moved. So that's good. Yeah. I, I see the image that, uh, popped up for me. I watched the movie Interstellar recently, mm-hmm. which I love. It's such a cool movie. That's our only movie review ever. Matt no, McConaughey, Space do, Farmer. I, yes, mm-hmm. Space Farmer and Space Cowboy. Did, didn't we do Passengers as well? Very loosely. I've never seen it, so probably. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen I, it either. I haven't seen Passengers. So I, I bet we did. It. So we've done two movie reviews. <laughs> um, oh, I love that. Dang it. But there's a... A key portion in Interstellar is that these aliens from the future have left a wormhole. And they're using us is, as batteries? And they're, <laughs> they're not using us as batteries because we are them. <gasps> so it's like the... Well, the image that came to mind is that the, the wormhole that they create, it's just this giant sphere. And it's like this little pocket 
in our galaxy that takes you to a whole nother world and a whole nother galaxy. And like having that, the chapel is this little pocket, hmm. this little wormhole, like, boom, just, and it's right tucked in the middle, you know, and it, it almost, it's like hidden in plain sight almost. Mm-hmm. But then if you, books start falling off the shelves, you know, Matthew McConaughey's behind there punching them. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you saying now, to be clear, are you saying that it was Matthew McConaughey or future Connor that did the chapel? Ooh, good question. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I can't say. Wait a second. I... Is McConaughey j- just future Connor? <laughs> Hold on. I just want to say, spoiler alert, she dies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a shout out to somebody oh, gosh, who yeah. sent an email with a very good critique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the listener, somebody sent us a very. <laughs> Not, well, let's say terse email about our <laughs> quote, spoiler alert, which was, I think you just saying, Mike, spoiler alert, she dies. <laughs> it's like, that book. doesn't count as a legit spoiler alert. You have to say spoiler alert, give a pause so somebody can react to it. But <laughs> the way that they wrote it, it was all one word, spoiler alert, she dies. <laughs> like, <laughs> that you made me laugh. That really, could be a really t-shirt like, right there. Spoiler alert, she dies, one word. That's true. Um, so I actually did. Uh, we talked about this a couple couple of uh, episodes ago, but when I thesis did thesisized, and uh, it as wasn't church. on as church, and I was an adult. I was adulting while thesising, <laughs> and uh, and churching, and I was actually churching about church, and uh, I, I I wrote my thesis on the dedication of a church. Mm. That that's literally what I wrote my thesis on. Oh, your real thesis. Okay. Got my it. actual thesis was on the dedication of a church. And the long and the short of it is we essentially treat church buildings like people. And so the whole dedication process, consecration process, it follows the sacraments of initiation to a T. And it's like insanely beautiful. Mm. And uh, so I don't know if, if you were able to pick up on any of that stuff, but... You know, the baptismal rite, it begins with the sign of the cross on the baby. And so the first thing that enters into the church is the crucifix and the bishop that proceeds in. And then you do the sprinkling rite where you go around and you bless the whole church with essentially baptize it. And then eventually you'll anoint it and you anoint the altar with the five wounds of Christ. And they either do it for anointings around the walls on the columns, which stand for the people, the 12 apostles, or you do, yeah, the 12 anointings, which is like this actual chrismation of the person. And then after you do that, they light candles over each of the spots where you anoint them, which is the descent of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. it's like now they're inflamed with the life of the Holy Spirit. And you have insensation, which is Pentecost. And it's like a, an actual embodiment in the church, on the church, of everything that you talk about in the scripture. And then you... You conclude it with the the consecration with the Eucharist, and the whole thing is is like essentially made into a Christian, and it's not complete until you actually celebrate Mass there, um, which follows the exact process. That's the whole sacraments of initiation process mm. that that we do with mm. the, with a person. We actually do that to our buildings. Would you say ordination is is thrown in there? Because I I got that impression, um, and I've been as I've been praying in the chapel too, I can still, when I reverence the altar before mass, I can still smell the chrism because Cardinal oh, yeah. Super just put a, quite a bit of, we had, I have one little cruet of each of the oils 
from Chrism Mass last year. And uh, the Cardinal's secretary called me before. He's like, do you have the, do you, are you providing the Cardinal with Chrism or does he need to bring something? I was like, oh, I got Chrism. And I think he thought that was the Chrism that we'd set aside for the dedication mass, but that's all the Chrism I have for <laughs> Easter Vigil. Or so he just, he dumped the whole thing, which was great. I can get more uh, from the cathedral, but it is, it was doused with the five crosses on the oh, stone. Beautiful. And then he, yeah. and then he yeah. anointed the whole thing. Which um, is the five wounds of Christ. Yeah. Which by the way, we were able to do the the relics. So I got that approved and the Cardinal put the relics of St. Marie Goretti, St. Sebastian, St. Agnes in the thing. And then the stonemason who was our artist, Andrew, who did all the stencil work and a lot of the beautiful stuff. He actually, during the mass, sealed it in with grout, like put the block in and sealed the reliquary. And it was just mm. so cool. But um, I thought about ordination, like the the, the hands, you know, at uh, after your ordained your, your hands are anointed um that's the image i have of this like outpouring of this fragrant oil on the um on the altar although i could see that as confirmation as well the descent of the holy spirit but well well and there there is also i an element of that because if the bishop chooses and if they're not capable of like physically doing it on their own they can actually send out priests to go and anoint the walls or the columns for them. Right. And so there's there's even like the sending out of the disciples from the bishop, who mm-hmm. is the representative, who is Christ, sending out his other altar Christuses, Christ, Christi, mm-hmm. in order to anoint the the columns and the walls, which is, that's, that's definitely an image of it, this yeah. outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I still remember Cardinal George coming in and anointing the JP2 chapel. And having that, yeah, I wasn't there for that. I must have been like on pilgrimage or something, but uh, I had never been to one. This was my first ever dedication, it was very beautiful. It was amazing. Him rubbing in the oils into the altar, (sighs) yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. That's totally awesome, yeah. So it just kind of blew my mind that we treat our churches like like people, people. Mm -hmm. and we treat our people like churches. (laughs) yeah yeah it's really deep if you think about it i'm I'm thinking (laughs) i've been plunged into the depths of that thought Mm -hmm. also i think it's just good to have incense back because we were in this like little overflow area that was the lounge and it had smoke detectors and stuff so we haven't had incense in a while and just yesterday during holy hour um something happens where sometimes when the heat kicks on or that you know the air pressures in the room different stuff happens with the smoke but it looked like like i had a fog machine in there or something it's just like the smoke lifted up just to the level of the altar where the eucharist was and then just mm. like spread over it no way yeah like jesus was like in a scene from heroic priesthood or something <laughs> <laughs> a lucky guy he was <laughs> like he was dunking in his clerics Clouds your eyes. Don't look at it. <laughs> don't look at it. Don't don't look at it, Miriam. Uh, I one of my favorite little. It, it's I, I would call it a detail of it, if you don't mind me sharing. But that the place where the the initials are still carved into the pew, mm-hmm. I just love that of because um, all those pews are like really antique. I mean, just like the woodwork. It's I mean, it's, yeah, the integrity of the place is is really awesome. But there was one that Bisque uh, showed me 
where it's like very subtle because it's been, I'm assuming like refinished, but you can still see like the initials of some kid probably from like 50 years ago sitting in, in the pew. And I don't know why. I just thought that was like a super cool thing to, um, to have there, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, you know, that probably could be older than like, you know, our grandparents, even the kid that like carved that in and still there sitting in front of Jesus. I thought that was cool. Hmm. Where did you get those pews from? Church down in Bridgeport called All Saints St. Anthony closed. It's a big, big, beautiful <coughs> church. And uh, we just had almost unlimited pews for how small our space is. We can right. sit about a hundred people. I don't know. That church could probably sit 800. Um, so they just picked out ones that uh, would fit or that were in good, good enough shape that we could cut down and the carpenter and his boys refinished them. They, they're gorgeous. But yeah, he pointed that one out to me. <clears throat> we have it as like our server pew up in the sanctuary. Oh, cool. It's kind of short and uh, it's got a little P, PM or something. But it makes you think of like living stones, you know, the marks that we leave. Because uh, that person very well could be in heaven already, you know, but their mark is still on this pew in a sanctuary where the Eucharist is being celebrated. Um, you know, like the, the the soul is immortal. That's another thing I've been uh, finishing up that book with uh, on eschatology by Ratzinger. He's talking about the whole the intermediate state, which is kind of the whole controversy of of eschatology and death and eternal life. It's like what happens when you die before the resurrection, um, and the immortality of the soul. Some believe was just like this Greek idea that dualism, Platonism, that kind of infected Christianity. But the Bible never talks anything about any sort of existence after your body dies, and we're all just waiting resurrection. But uh, he kind of debunks that. In any case, uh, it is very true that we are here for a very short time physically, you know, and that um, I think it seems to me like Rob, as a pastor now, just sitting there and talking for a while when you visited, you were maybe feeling this as well, but like the responsibility for physical stuff that we have, it's very easy to get distracted by that throw ourselves into it because there is a satisfaction in just making sure that the roof is taken care of and that the snow is cleared and um, people have a place to pray and stuff. And then you, you become kind of proud of the place and the effect that you're having on it over time. Um, but dude, like that kid that just marked PW or PM and is in a pew is still like he left his mark. And for all I know, like, honestly, there's a part of my heart that Every morning goes over there and like, oh, it didn't burn down, but it could one morning I could just go over there and it could all be gone. All that work, you know, um, but hopefully it outlasts me and there's people praying in there long after they forget who was the priest here when it got renovated. Um, nobody knows my name, but it is, it's just weird. Uh, like to your point about treating churches like people and the whole idea, our ecclesiology of living stones or. Was it, I forget which of you said that it kind of fits this this time that we need these pockets of beauty and holiness and transcendence in the midst of a world that's very chaotic or distracted or like the conversation we were having before this we started recording just very easily fall into a certain view of the world that's overwhelmingly negative. Um, but at the same time, like the effect that it 
the, the truly eternal effect it has is on the human heart, which I guess that's the paradox I'm trying to get at is that we just kind of come in and out of this world. And yet we're the things that last like all the evidence of your eyes would say the thing that is important that you did is that building you built. But actually the thing that's important is the obedience of your heart to the father's will. And that that's, what's been cool about this project to me is that I really felt like it was something God wanted me to do. And <clears throat> it's nice to hear praise. It's nice to hear Connor. You did such a good job. Wow. It turned out so great. Um, but I truly, I do, I mean it when I say I really do value much more that the kids would pray in there and discern their vocations and encounter the Lord and become fully alive in him. That's much more important. Hmm. And yeah, yeah. Of course, you're just saying that because we're on the internet. I know. That's a, that's it's really the, about the building, isn't it? That's the like Heisenberg uncertainty print. Like, but the fact that I'm saying that, does that mean that I just want <laughs> you to think that that's what I want? No. I No. I, I think that's awesome, man. It, it, all of your thoughts and musings on that, just the importance of the human soul. And it's just a different, um, it's substantially different uh, at a fundamental level than anything material. Um, and of course, we're composite body soul, and so we're comprised comprised of both. But I was talking to my dad this weekend. What's today? Today's Wednesday, isn't it? Okay, Careful. so I guess it would would have been on Monday, or any day, a few days before this, whenever you're listening. And uh, I I've been working with a soldier who's just had a really tough time and gone through, uh, unfortunately, um, just complications with a pregnancy. And which is kind of getting my mom and dad's insight who have a lot of experience with babies and a lot of experience of um, ups and downs and pregnancies and, and things like that. And um, dad, he just kind of got caught in his own thoughts and was just musing. And and he was marveling at the fact that, you know, even this child uh, who will never be born into the world alive, uh, that the soul that they had, it, it, it essentially is like more remarkable than all of material creation mm. and more substantial because all that's going to pass away. Like that one little soul who never had any physical impact is, is going to last infinitely longer. Right. It's yeah. like, is yeah, I don't even know how best to say it, but that everything else is going to pass away and that soul is still going to be there with God. Mm -hmm. And uh, like all of that takes place in this little, little interaction um, that, yeah, that I got to help this, this lady with, but it's to your point is, man, we think the material is, is the be all and end all. And uh, that's, that's not the case. It's totally not, not true, mm -hmm. but that the heart and the soul yeah, they're made in the image and likeness of God. They're immortal. Where's our Where's our picture going in the chapel? The three of us. Yeah, that's a good point. Front of the altar. I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Dude, have that be the altar piece. That picture of us at the wall at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Holding the La La fake Lacroix and cookie sheets <laughs> and deodorant. <laughs> I still have some. I I have signed, autographed photos. Those still. were the 
Those were the closet. days of Three Dogs North when we were sending out autographed pictures to fans. <laughs> and paintings. And paintings. What did we do the painting for? Was it like the 10,000th download yeah. or something like that? That's right. That was epic. Yeah, I think like in the first few months we had enough listeners that people actually entered the contest, which was cool. Yep. It was crazy. We were we were going nuts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did man. a painting for somebody. Well, okay, congratulations on that, man. That's so cool. Mm. It is wild. I've thought I've thought about that too with all the <clears throat> stillborn babies in the world. Um just how <clears throat> like it does to me raise the question of like how important is what I'm doing? If like only a certain percent of us percent of us even get a chance to like do anything with our embodied souls. Many of the souls just like we go straight to heaven, you know. I've heard many stories yeah, of people uh with or to say nothing of babies that are aborted on purpose. Um but that's why your point to that's why that's so important to be rooted in that of like, I mean, it's okay to have moments of like being proud of it and being complimented and all of that. But yeah, to say with conviction, like, no, I just really think God wanted me to do this. Then it's the most important thing in the world. Right. Even if it's not here a year from now, from, you know, whatever. Like, yes. It's just like my, you know, it's like, like my nephew like coloring to try and learn and things like that it's like it's ordered and it's the most important thing in the world like for him to do that right there because mm -hmm. it's what he's supposed to be doing right my yeah. you got a heart out at eight thirty. that sounds like a good one good note to end on yeah i do gotta get going I was hoping that you guys, we would talk about this a little bit longer so you could like, soak in a little bit more of the adulation, <laughs> but I guess it's all right. Maybe we could talk about it next episode as well. <laughs> we'll pick it back up. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Gotta yeah, get you we'll, up here, Mike. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll bring it back up when the, uh, nope, I'm not going to say it. We're not going to go down the road. I was going to no. say something. Nope. Nope. When the Georgia okay. Bulldogs win the national championship again? Nope. 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 <laughs> it was, um... <laughs> Yep, it just doesn't need to be said. <clears throat> That's 41 years, and we did it. A very cool story about the quarterback, too. Man, they love telling that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, From Blackshear, Georgia. First time mm. I saw him play, uh, he went on to the sideline. This is how I knew this is a real country boy from Georgia. And he threw in a huge lip. After He's using chewing tobacco on the sideline. During a game? Oh, gosh. <laughs> during a game. <laughs> That's baseball, maybe. But and they came over and they were like, hey, you can't. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe in the pros, but not in college. So that's a bad example. <laughs> like, dude, you just, you just beat, you know, like Mississippi State. You got to do an interview on TV, man. You got to take that out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the media was ravenous to that story, though. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, were. they feasted. They did feast. All right, okay, guys. All right, later, skaters. Peace. Follow Three Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. 
conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.